0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit CincyJourney.org. Good morning. I am so happy to be here because last week was so hard. I, uh, this is a little, I think, hot for me. Uh, <clears throat> the the uh, car just had a couple flat tires. I don't know how it happened, but, uh, you know, I was telling some of them earlier, I just felt like um, when I left that morning, the Lord told me to go a different way. and I had a sense of foreboding, and uh, so I followed what the Lord told me to do. And uh, so where I got the flat tire was at a place that I could easily pull off, and uh, then uh, I fixed we got a guy help me we got the tire fixed and changed and put on the spare actually filled the spare with a little more air make sure it was right got in the car still thought man I can make it it's gonna be close but I'll get there and I get down the road about uh, three or four more miles and the spare went flat so uh Anyhow, I was supposed to uh, help with the installation service of the new pastor in Wilmington, Ohio at 3 o'clock, and uh, by the time I got my wife there, we got the tire off, loaded it up, went and got a new tire put on, and got everything fixed. It took them a couple hours. There was only one tire place open, and everybody was there, and so I barely made it right on time at three o'clock in Wilmington, Ohio, so uh, it was just a crazy day, but I really feel like the Lord spared me something. I don't know what it was, but there was something that I was for some reason to avoid, so I just trust those kind of things. If the Lord gives me guidance, I follow it, you know, but uh, I thought maybe I could get here, but uh, when I talked to Woody, I said, you know, you come and get me, it's going to be 25 minutes and I'll be a little bit after 10 o'clock. Uh, by the time he picks me up, and by the time we get back down here, another 25 minutes, it'll be almost time to close the service. So, uh, it just wasn't going to work, but, uh, we are here today and, uh, you know, God knows how to take care of us and to watch over us. I hear Woody did a great job last week and uh, just was wonderful. And by the way, I just want to give a shout out to our worship pastor and and uh, bass player because I'm going to tell you, they are good. Uh, you got wonderful, wonderful worship. And uh, uh, I'm... I, been Around a lot of churches, and uh, probably the best place I had music was in uh, Moorhead in eastern Kentucky. Of course, we had Moorhead State University there, and, and we had a full orchestra, full choir, praise band, piano, and organ <laughs> every Sunday morning. You know, I mean, it was full, and you heard everything from bluegrass to classical to contemporary to uh, hymn a- anything. You never knew what you were going to hear, um, but. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't think music, uh, is a, lot of, a lot of times I'm in places where I hear them play and all that stuff, it all is okay, but there's something special about what you two guys do. I like it. Uh, it just ministers to me. So I just thank you for that. Um, we're on a little theme here about love, and we've been working on this, and so we're going to go to Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Mark 12, verse 29, and... Uh, we're going to talk, today I thought I would do something a little different. I've been talking about love, but I haven't really defined what I'm talking about when I say, you shall love. And that's the theme today, is you shall love. And so I thought I might interrupt and insert in this thing a little bit, what does the word love mean and what does it mean to love? Okay. Our text says that we've been following, you shall love. This is the most important one. Hero Israel, the most important thing is to... You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind and all of your strength. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. In fact, Jesus says in another place... Upon these two commandments hang all of the law and all of the prophets. If you're ever going to achieve anything for God, you need to understand what love is. Uh, because love is the most important thing that Christians have to give to the world and to each other. It is the surest mark of discipleship. As I shared with you when I started this series a couple of weeks back, But that uh, my friend said, you know... They believed in, in uh, their tradition that when you learn to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength, and your neighbor is yourself, you will be fully discipled. If you haven't learned to do that, you're not following Jesus. Jesus says, one of the ways you will, the world will know that you are mine is that you have love for one another. If you don't have that kind of love, then you've missed the mark. Now, please understand, I, you guys seem like very loving, sweet people. Everybody I've drugged down here with me, they say, those people are really cool. They really are loving. They're warm and welcoming. So when I'm talking about this, I'm going to be speaking in general terms of the church, where sometimes people have missed love. And I really do believe our church, Christian body of Christ in in America today doesn't quite grasp how to love this strange new world we find ourselves in. You know, people sometimes are hard to love. Have you noticed that? Sometimes they're difficult, Uh, but it's not impossible if you know what love is. It is impossible if you think love is what you think it is, and you're not sure what love is, and so today I hope to clear the air a little bit with you, all right? So that I, one of the things I believe with all my heart is that we ought to start in this country an amazing war of love on the culture. The only way to do that is to know what love is, and if we can figure that out, I think we can change the world. Not to try to get back what used to be or go backwards. I don't believe we can never go backwards. We must keep moving forward. But we're moving towards something as the body of Christ. We're going forward to the kingdom of God. So we have to keep moving forward. We're moving ahead to heaven, you know? And if we're going to change the culture, then what we want to do is not change them back into what used to be, but change them into what God wants them to be. See? that they experience the love and the grace and the power of Jesus. Now, as I shared with you in my testimony, that I was raised pretty rough. Two alcoholic parents. Uh, I was abandoned, and not only abandoned by my mother emotionally, I was totally rejected by her. So growing up to know what love is, I didn't have a clue. And nobody would tell me anything. Nobody taught me anything. Everything I learned in life, I had to figure out on my own. Even had to figure out how to brush my teeth and and shave and comb my hair and all of that stuff because I was just totally ignored and abandoned. So nobody taught me how to do things. So when I try to find out the answer to things, uh, it's because I really want to know because I think there's a whole bunch of stuff out there nobody's telling me. You ever felt that way? If I could just find the answer. So I wanted to know the answer to what love was. So I read a book some years ago, and and this sermon's kind of based off of it. Uh, But uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. If you want to get into this in a deep way, go buy his book. I'm not going to give you the deep version. I'm going to give you the Steve Carney fluffy it up version. It's, It's not fluff. It'll be challenging, but it's a lot more easier to read through. But Lewis wrote a book on the four loves. How many of you knew there were four loves? Yeah, okay. Uh, One person back there. Most people don't know what love is. When you ask somebody what love is, what love is to you is whatever you think it is in your head. You believe love is whatever emotional feeling you have. And that's not at all what the Bible's talking about. Many years ago, I had a young girl come up to me and say, Oh, pastor, uh, uh, I think I know what love is. And I was so excited. I said, please tell me, what is love? She says, I think love is a feeling that you feel when you feel like you're going to get a feeling that you never felt before. I went, (laughs) Some people say love is the warm fuzzies. But what is love? The Greeks had four different words for the word love. And the first word they used was eros love. Eros is that physical attraction between people. It's chemistry between people. It literally is, and this isn't pretty, but literally it's described as a dog in heat, basically, is what it is. Nothing pretty about that. But it's just chemistry, people being drawn together, but that's the lowest form of love in the Greek mind. And in fact, it's often just referred to as eros and not love at all. Uh, Let me explain what eros really is. How many of you remember your first date? Some of you got to go back a long ways. I remember my first date and... uh, It was with Mary Ann, and we were sitting there at the movie theater, and she was sitting there right beside me, and I was so excited, and I thought, boy, she's so pretty. If I could just hold her hand, it'd be the greatest thing in the world, but I had a problem. I thought she was going to hit me, so I just kind of had my hand there. Her hand was sitting on her knee there, and I just kind of... Let my hand slide over under her hand and squeezed it, and she squeezed back, and I went, "Woohoo! I'm a man! I'm a man!" You know, and uh, so I'm holding her hand. Uh, I'm starting to get a little bold and brave, and I thought, "Man, I, I'd love to put my arm around her," and and uh, so. You know, when there was a little moment there, I was looking over at the side, and I said, I wonder what that is there. And I looked around and put my arm over there. We men are really clever. You women haven't figured that out, I'm sure. But uh, so I put my arm around her, and she snuggled in. But that's just eros. That's just physical chemistry between people. It's not necessarily love. Because you can be physically attracted to more than one person, but that doesn't mean you love them. Eros is that thing that you'd see in, in the B, grade B movies. Remember those grade B movies where there would be a, a sailor going off the war and they would meet on the, you know, the dock before he boards the ship and she hugs him and that little leg goes up like that? Ah. That's Eros. That's the chemistry. You know, um, now please, if, when you get married, eros is important. You don't, you know, marry somebody you're physically attracted to. Don't marry somebody that totally repulses you. But realize you cannot build a marriage on eros alone. See, most of the people today build their relationship totally around eros, and they falsely believe that that's love. That is not love. Eros can be based on how a person looks. It can be based on, on, on the chemistry that emits from one person to another. It has really uh, little to do with sustaining a relationship with people. You know? If, uh, you know, relationships are difficult for people who've been through trauma because, you know, for, if you've been... Trying to have a good relationship with somebody, but you've been through trauma, you have changed the way you think about life, and you're going to be thinking of survival instead of building a relationship. Until you sort through some of those emotions, you can't do it, but the big attraction for people who've been through trauma is to find somebody that they feel attraction to as all of a sudden a safety net... In the midst of a storm. It is difficult for you then to find real love. Because you're trying to survive by attaching yourself to someone that you think will rescue you. Instead of realizing that you and the Lord and maybe a counselor need to work through some things before you build a relationship with somebody. But. Chemistry can't do it. And the other problem you have with chemistry is that, you know, it's based on physical attraction It's great when you're young, but then you know, here's the way I put it young people you're gonna get old and ugly See this face. This is your future (laughs) Scary isn't it Uh, You are going to go through changes When I was 19 years old, I had a 29 waist, 44 chest. I had worked out with weights, had 17-inch biceps. I walked around like this, me and Arnold. But then there came a point where my chest and my waist met. You know, I no longer have uh, that youthful look about me. Uh, And we age. Can you love people as they age? How are you going to do it? You're going to change. Most people in Hollywood marry for heroes and they spend tons of money on plastic surgery trying to look nice all the time because they're afraid if they ever stop, nobody will love them. It's because they never had anybody to love them to begin with. They only met people who had heroes for them, but not love. You understand what I'm saying? Second word the Greeks had is a word called uh, philia. It's where we get the city of Philadelphia from. It's the city of brotherly love or camaraderie kind of love. Friendship love is what it basically is. Now, friendship love is more noble than eros because eros is totally based on what you feel and what you want. I, you're not loving, by the way. You're not loving people when you have heroes for them. You know, you're loving them because you love what you feel when you're near them. So who are you loving? Yourself. You understand what I'm saying? You're not loving them. You're loving you because you love what you feel when you're near them. They stop making you feel that way, you're out. You understand? You understand? I'll talk more about the conversion of that Eros later on, but you need to know that. Well, philia is more noble than Eros. Philia is a friendship kind of love where you can say to your friend, yay or nay, and it's okay. You're still friends. You still love each other. You can enjoy each other's company. Uh, You can agree. You can disagree. But you're still there because you just enjoy that person. But now, it's still selfish like Eros to a degree because if the moment your friend stabs you in the back, what's going to happen to that relationship? Changes. It's gone. Friendship is very important in a marriage. In fact, I think it's more foundational than the other two loves that I'm, I'm talking about, Eros and the next one that's coming up, Storge. But... And you need that. You need to marry your friend. Whoever you marry, it should be somebody you like being with. You know? No matter what. And you can say what you need to say, and it's not going to be a terrible problem. You understand? So that's good. But remember, philia is still selfish. Because if that friend disappoints you, betrays your trust, does something that really hurts you, there's a good chance they're not going to be your friend anymore. Then we have the third love, which is storge, which is affection. It's the kind of love you can have for your favorite shoes. These shoes I bought, oh, I love these shoes. These are my style of shoes. I'm a backpacker, hiker, I love hiking boots, but I always feel like I, I would rather wear a hiking boot than anything, and these are not shoes I would wear hiking, but they give me that hiking feel. And I love that. It might be the love you have for your dog or your cat or your children or a husband or a wife. It's affection. You love them because when you're near them, they make you feel good. You know? And it's nice, but the moment those things stop making you feel good... They're, you're out of there. The moment my shoes start hurting my feet, what do you think's going to happen? I'm sorry, I'm not going to bronze them. You know, uh, that's what we used to do to baby shoes years ago. They used to bronze baby shoes and keep them on a shelf. Because they did love those little baby shoes. I'm not going to bronze these and put them on a shelf. These shoes will be gone. Throw them in the trash. Wait a minute, the shoes say, I thought you loved me. Well, but you started hurting my feet. You're out of here. You understand? Same is true for um, about anything. I, I've known parents who, because their children so disappointed them, they wrote them off. I've even known of a parent who said to this, their child, because they did something that they couldn't agree with, you are dead to me. They never loved their child. They loved what their child could mean to them or could be for them, but they never loved that child. You understand? Now, the fourth word the Greeks use, you all should know, if you've hung around church at all for any length of time. It's the Greek word that is used to describe the love of God, and it's called agape. Uh, In classical Greek, agape. It's uh, just a fast way of saying agape. You say it real quick, agape. You see. But that classical word literally means sacrificial love. It means love that is not born in the seat of emotion, but love that is born in the seat of the will. You see. It's different. Eros is about feeling, isn't it? Woohoo! I love what I feel. She holds my hand. Philia is about having a great time with your friends. You love hanging out with them. And you add something to your Oh, It just makes you feel so good. You know, friends are great because, you know, usually you agree on enough that, hey, I'm hanging out with people who think like me. Storge is wonderful. You have affection because it makes you feel good. When my little granddaughter was born and I scooped her up in my arms, oh, I was in love. In love. Sang to her all the time, dreaming of you and your eyes of blue. Yes, that's I just in love. That's affection. It's not enough love to really be there for you. You've got to have that love converted by agape. And agape is born in the will. And agape does right by people in spite of how you feel. Did you catch that? Jesus said, no greater love hath any man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. Now, does it feel good to lay down your life for someone? No. Why do you do it? Because you see that you need to bless them. And blessing them and protecting them may be a sacrifice on your part. You will do right by them no matter what it costs you personally. You see? Love is what constrained Jesus Christ to go to the cross. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He's hanging on the cross. Does hanging on the cross feel good? Was Jesus up there saying, oh, I'm so glad I did this. This is such a warm, fuzzy feeling. No. It was painful. Horrible, but he did it for you and me. For God so loved. For we shall love, you shall love, for God so love. Jesus says, for you shall, so shall love. For you shall love the Lord your God this way. It's very important for us to recognize that if we're going to love, there is a sacrifice involved. It's a choice. It's a decision that's made. And when you get married, you get married to a certain set of marriage vows. I don't let people mess with the marriage vows when I get married them. They all want to write their own. You want to write them, fine. You can say them, but we're doing the real deal here. I don't want people getting up there saying, oh, I'm going to take you for as long as I feel like it. Oh, that's, that's the thing. I mean, they are not thinking of anything. I've married over 400 people over the years, and I have the copy of every certificate, Um, but they stand down there in front of you and they're looking googly-eyed into each other's eyes, and they don't know what at all they're agreeing to. But they're thinking, oh, you're so lucky. You get to meet all of my needs and satisfy all of my desires for the rest of your life. I'm giving you that privilege. Nobody can do that. And God won't even do that with you. It's not about how you feel. What you feel is wonderful. It's okay. Feel whatever you feel. But you must will what you will. And there is a difference. But the marriage vows are not framed on saying, Oh, we will be together for as long as it's great. No, they were written, framed upon agape love. That's why the marriage vows read the way they do and why they're so important. Because you don't take that person and say, I'll take you for as long as I feel like it. You say, I'm going to take you for richer or poorer. And you don't say how rich and you don't say how poor. And you say, I'm going to take you in sickness and in health. And you don't say how sick and you don't say how healthy. Had a woman in Kentucky whose husband a week after they were married was in a car accident and he was paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. Do you walk or do you stay? She stayed. Became one of the sweetest saints you ever saw in your life. Love just oozed from her. They couldn't have children, but they adopted a boy. And they loved him. She was just one of the most loving people. What do you do when you get into a marriage and something's bad? Somebody gets sick, they get paralyzed. Do you walk away or do you stay? See, Jesus commands us to love and to hang in there. And that kind of love is a choice. So you say in sickness and in health. Then you say this next one. Get ready. It's scary. Better or worse. Better or worse. Now, I don't believe that the Lord wants anyone to live under the tyranny of another human being. So if husbands, if your wife is abusing you, you have my permission to go to a safe house. And vice versa. Because nobody should live under the tyranny of an abusive person. Not ever. And the Bible says you can leave. Nothing wrong with divorce. You know, who you remarry can get you into trouble, but the divorce itself was there to protect people. And that's the way it was. Disciples said, well, why did Moses give us a writing of divorcement? Jesus said, because of the hardness of your heart. So don't be abusive in any relationship. But having said that, There's most things we can work through. And you better do your best to work through it. And every single one of us needs somebody to be there for us on the worst day of our life. See? You'll never know you're loved as long as people love you because you make them feel good. The day you will know you're truly loved is when you're a total disappointment to people. And they still want you in their life. That's when you know you're loved. But as long as love is conditional, as long as it's based on your performance, it's not love. God's love isn't conditional, it's unconditional. Herein is the love of God. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you before you ever thought of loving him. You grasp that? God's love is unconditional, and it's inexorable, which means it's unbreakable. You cannot break God's love for you. He will always, always love you. And the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. That means God is not giving up on people. He's not giving up on you. He's not giving up on anyone. He wants everyone to be saved. Well, you mean those people that do such and such? Yeah. He's not giving up on anybody. Because he's not willing for any to perish. And he will use whatever means are at his disposal and Since he owns the universe, all means are at his disposal to bring people back home to himself, to draw every prodigal who has squandered the gift he has given them, who has squandered the treasures and the abilities he's given them, all of the blessings that he's poured into your life. If you've squandered it all, he's still looking for you every day to come over the hillside and come home. That's how unbreakable his love is. So you take people for better or worse. And then you throw in this kicker, forsaking all others till death do us part. Now that is an unconditional commitment to a person who's got a lot of problems and hang-ups. Do you know that whoever you marry will be half a bubble off? You know that? I mean, everybody is dysfunctional to some degree. Everybody is, well, the way we used to say it in Kentucky, touched. Slightly touched. Their elevator don't go all the way to the top. One french fry short of a happy meal. Everybody has their problems, their porch lights on, but nobody's at home. You know what I'm talking about? So, you have to recognize that you will never marry a perfect person. You know? And they're going to leave their clothes laying around on the floor. You know, guys, you'll go into the bathroom and women will have stuff in the sink. You don't know what this stuff is. You know, it's... It's all set up. Uh, Well, it's all set up for there to be a crisis. Why? Because you have to choose to love that person. Love is a choice. A choice of the will. Choose to love them. Choose to be there for them. When I got married to my wife... We had a beautiful outdoor wedding. There was no church in town big enough for it, and it was we lived in the middle of a little country area, and there was no church that would even seat three hundred people, and we had three hundred and fifty people at our wedding, and so we had it outdoors in front of the little country church where I was saved, you know. And it was beautiful. My wife had grown up on that ridge. It was just really nice. And I had my uncle marry us and her pastor marry us. Two preachers. Boy, if you get married, you're married then by two preachers. So uh, all of this stuff. But three days after we were married, I turned to my wife and said, Gee, I don't feel married. She said, Too bad, buddy, you are. She said, You said, I do. And I did. And I was done. Do you understand? It was not based, being married it isn't based on a feeling. It's based on the fact I said, I did, I do, or I will. That's how you in the marriage vows. We don't ask you to say, I feel that. Oh, pastor, all those words you're saying, I feel that. No, we're asking you to say to a person, I do, I will. Will you take this person? Will you have this person? Will you do this for this person? I do and I will. Now that's where the will has to rise up against all obstacles and does what is right. But if you do that, if you actually convert eros, orge, philia by agape, now all of a sudden, When it comes to physical attraction, you're not caring about your own needs only. You're caring about the need of your mate more, and you make that a priority over your own needs. When it comes to friendship, you make being a friend more important than a friend being a friend to you. When you convert... Your love, you make the choice, you make the decision, that affection, you choose to love people, love, I love my granddaughter, even when she drives me crazy, and she wears me out, because she owns me. You ever been owned by a three-year-old? But I still love her. This kind of love is a love you have to have when you're a mother, and that baby's cried three nights in a row. You haven't had any sleep. You want to take them out back, stake them out, pour honey and red ants on them. But you don't. What do you do? You get up, you change the diaper, you take care of them, and you love them. Why? Because it feels good? No, because you're committed to them. You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus says, you're to love your enemies. You realize that your mate and your children are practice for you to love the world. That's part of your discipleship. You put up a lot with family, don't you? I do. I was just talking earlier. I'm an introvert. I'm over 93% introverted. I came yesterday back home from a workshop and concert thing where we had all these people and I hung around people. And if you know anything about introverts, we can only take it so long. I come into my house, and there's my two daughters, there's my, her husband, my granddaughter, my niece, and her husband, and then a friend up from Kentucky, and my wife, and, and I, I think that's all in my little tiny house. I got a, I downsized so people would have to go somewhere else to have a party, but they still come to my house. And so I come in and the first thing I do after I get everything unloaded is I go off to a bedroom because I have to be away and recharge. But then I get up and I go out. Why? Because it makes me feel good? No. Because I want to love my family. I want to hear their stories. I want to know about their day. I want to hear the conversation and the laughter. Yes, I may have to take a break and go back in and get some privacy for a few moments so I can re energize and go back out and jump in again. But I always equate it to, like, yes, you know, uh, snorkeling. You, you can dive down in the water and go down deep, but you got to come up for air every so often. So that's what I have to do. But I don't do it because it makes me feel good. It's not my nature. I do it because I love them. And I choose to do that. I make it a conscious choice to love people, even people that drive me crazy. I, you know, I, how many of you on Facebook... Oh, not many. Oh, okay, two or three, all right. Uh, horrible place sometimes. Amen? And I've got all kinds of friends. I've got friends that are liberal. I've got friends that are straight. I've got friends that are gay. I have friends that are conservative, and they're all mixed up on there. And by the time they all get done sharing all their stuff, that's enough to drive you nuts. People say, why don't you unfriend the people that drive you crazy? Because I love them. I'll challenge them from time to time. But I do it in a way they know I love them. And they take it from me. Why? Because I love them. And I want to love them the way God loves them. I'm not willing for any of them to perish, but that all of them should come to everlasting life. I've had people in my ministry get saved who are gay, transgender, liberal. I've even had conservatives get saved. Some of them are the toughest ones to reach because they don't, they, they're so filled with self-righteousness that they think that they're better. I've had people who... Um, And by the way, I identify as kind of conservative, so I'm just telling you that. So I'm speaking of my own tribe. But having said that, uh, I still love them, right? I'll even love somebody who's a Pharisee. I will. Why? Because it's my mission. It's what I care about. I like people. I love people. Jesus thought they were great enough to die for. And when we get to heaven, there are going to be people from every background you can think of. Red, yellow, black, and white. And every single one of them are precious in His sight. So I'm not trying to get people to be on my page. I'm trying to get them to be with Jesus and on His page. You understand? You understand? And so I love them. I love them. I'll never stop loving them. Not because they make me feel good. They drive me nuts. I love them. Because I look for the presence of Jesus in every person. No matter how scarred they are by sin. I try to look past the sin and see what God had in mind when he made them. Because he made every person in his own likeness and image. And I'm looking for Jesus in every person. So we've got to choose to love in that way. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing, and uh, I'm going to ask you to just make an affirmation of faith with me. I'm going to ask you to marry Jesus today. Will you do that with me? Stand with me. And uh, here's how this is going to go. Are you all ready to get married? You know? Uh, I want you to say this with me. Lord Jesus, come on... Let's try that again. You guys, are a little hesitant there. Let's, I mean, uh, I want to get you all there. If you get done saying this, when you get done with this, you really will have made a step if you haven't been saved, you'll make a step, you'll be in, in a step of conversion, because this is what it's all about. So repeat this after me, and if you are saved, this will move you to a deeper life in Jesus. So make sure you, you keep on track here. All right, so let's try this again. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I take you. For richer or poorer. That means if God doesn't give you that million dollar house. Or your check doesn't come in. You're still going to love him. I take you Jesus. In sickness and in health. Whether you heal me or not. I take you Jesus. For better or worse. In good times and bad. If all my deals don't work out, Jesus, I'm still going to follow you. You don't have to say that. That was me. And I will forsake all other gods, all other idols, till in death we are united forever. I love you, Lord. And I give you my heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will overshadow us with who you are in this moment. And that as we sing a song of praise to you this day, it will help to seal the commitment and the affirmation we have made of our faith in this moment in time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.